0: Welcome to another episode of A Drummer's Guide 2. So this episode I'm going to be talking about failure. It's something that terrifies everyone including myself Uh, but the older I get the longer I do this the more I realise that actually it's a really positive thing and something that is the best way to learn really, really, really quickly and and to get a real blueprint of what I should be working on definitely. And these can be tiny, tiny little day to day minuscule failures, if you like, or they can be absolutely astronomical. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking exactly about the most astronomical failure, uh, the most ironic failure in hindsight. Um, And yeah, I hope you enjoy and you get something from this. Today I wanted to talk about basically one of the most difficult experiences that I had in my drumming career, have had so far. Hopefully none will be as heartbreaking as what happened to me, um, but it's something that I definitely learned the most from, um, I definitely grew the most from, and it made me realise... How much i wanted to do this as a living so i'll give you some backstory about what happened rather than just speaking in this sort of cryptic way um so what happened was i was um i'd been playing lots of different bands uh and one day i got a call from a friend of a guy that i had been working with who basically said that their drummer had broken i think it was his wrist and um couldn't play and this guy was like his regular recording drummer he'd done loads of stuff with him and he said to me you know would you be up for doing this session and I was just like this was the kind of call that I'd been waiting to get like the whole of my drumming career I was like 17 at the time in fact I think I was 16 at the time um and I was like, yes, amazing, yes, of course, I'd love to do that. Like, I was just thinking, this is it. This is gonna be my ticket into the session recording world. This is exactly what I wanna be doing. Someone's finally calling me to do this. I can go and do an amazing job. And in my head, I was going, it'd be great. I'm gonna go into the studio. I'm gonna record for these people and they're gonna realize how amazing I am. And then uh, they're gonna be calling me for all of their sessions and they're gonna tell all their producer friends and then they're gonna all be calling me and I'm gonna be the next big session drummer on all those tracks. You know, this really unrealistic view of how the whole thing worked basically but hey this is just what I had in my head I was 16 you know we all think like this and these ways that we think is the right way of thinking so anyway I got sent these tracks there were I think there were five tracks in fact I think I managed to actually find these tracks at some point I should probably post them up somewhere um so I got sent these five tracks I was like great there was like a week between Uh, getting the call in the session I I remember when it was that I got the call actually it was uh, January 7th 2000 must have been 2005 yeah 17 Um, and I was watching I was watching the Lion King in the West End with my mum and my sister and that's when I got the call anyway they sent through these songs and I was like wicked got a week to learn them I remember I rented out um, because I didn't have anywhere to practice so I rented out a studio um, in Denmark Street in central London, I went and practiced these songs for like, I think I spent a couple of days sort of like practicing them and I was just like, yeah, this is amazing. And prior to this, I'd had a little bit of recording experience, but it was more with bands that I was playing with, which um, as I found out was a very different situation. So I thought that it would be exactly the same sort of vibe. And every time that I'd recorded with bands that I was playing with, you know, it was. It was fine, it was great, you know, we were all playing together in a room and maybe I would record the drums first and then everyone would lay tracks on top of that, but it was fine, you know. Um, and then, so the day came and I sort of like, had prepped all my drums, I think I might have even bought new drum heads, you know, done some extra babysitting to get some cash. Um, and sort of like, I tuned up all the drums, I was like, amazing. So I went to go do this session, and again, I can't remember the studio, but it was in central London, it was around the Soho kind of area um and I remember it was downstairs that's what I remember um got there met the producer lovely lovely man um uh, in fact I'll give him a shout his name is Steve Wellington he lives in Paris and he's he's awesome um yeah he's a he's a great really great producer and I knew him through I was I was working with a band called um Visitor Q I say working with I was in a band called Visitor Q and um they uh that band and his band, I think they were called Project X, but I can't remember for sure. I'm almost certain that they were. Um, they were part of the Afropunk scene that was kind of around London at the time. Um, yeah, so he was the producer. Went in, met him lovely. He's like, oh, cool. Do you want to go set up? I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. Brilliant. Great. Okay. Um, so I went and I set up my drums. Cool. Uh, and then the engineer was miking them up and I was out in the control room with Steve and um, he was like oh so like how did you get on with the tracks Are you happy I was like yeah yeah you know they're really cool really like them yeah it's gonna be awesome I was trying to not give it the big I am but trying to be confident about it even though inside I was like completely like oh, this is so terrifying this is my f-. I was so nervous understandably I thought that this was my gateway into sort of like you know, playing with the biggest artists in the world and, and being the most recorded drummer in the world. You know, that was that was kind of my ambition, and that was my um what I believe was going to be my the door opening for that, uh, or my foot in the door, if you like. So anyway, engineer set up with mics, whatever. He's like, great, okay. So should we um should we start on the first track? I was like, yeah, amazing. He was like, do you, do you have a preference? I was like, oh no, 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 yeah, whatever you want. Okay, cool. Right, we'll start with this one. I was like, wicked, great. Um. Went into the live room, sat down behind the kit, sort of like, well in fact I would have, in fact before that I would have played a bit just to get some gain structures and whatever. So they could have got the gain structure I could have got on mixing my headphones. Anyway, then we went to actually record the song. I was like, right, ready to go? I was like, yeah, amazing. I was like, right, this is it. This is my moment to shine. Anyway, they hit record and everything just fell apart. Like completely and The worst thing about it was I was playing. I remember this, I was playing and obviously there's a click and then there's the the backing track, there's the guide track. And I wasn't playing with the click. The feel was all wrong. I wasn't locking in with the, the, the track. I wasn't playing consistently. All of this was happening simultaneously. And the worst thing about it was that I could hear how bad it was, but I couldn't rectify it because I just didn't have the experience. I just was like, why does this not sound how I've been like, why does this not sound the same as how I was practicing it in the rehearsal room? Why Why does this not feel right? You know, of course the things that I was practicing to in the rehearsal room had drums on them. So I was just playing along to the drums. And at this point, I hadn't learned about the thing of actually recording myself and listening back to get, get feedback on this. So I was just like, in real time, just going, oh my God, oh my God, this is awful, this is awful. Anyway, we finished the, 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 the take. And then um, in my head, I went, maybe it doesn't sound as bad as what I think it does maybe maybe I'm being really harsh on myself because I've always been the kind of person that's very harsh on myself so I thought okay maybe I'm just being oversensitive maybe I'm being harsh on myself okay and then I heard him in the control room and say um yeah so uh yeah cool um how's your mix do you need a bit more click or you know do, do you need anything different and I was like oh no I was like um uh yeah okay yeah maybe maybe a bit more click that would be really good um and then he's like, okay cool great well what we'll do is we'll do another take and in my head I'm going oh my gosh it's awful it's awful he hates it and of course then as bad as it already started out being my head my voices in my head started going and just going you're awful you can't do this it sounds terrible blah 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 um you know they're paying for studio time they're paying for you to be here and you're not doing the job so anyway i should go for another take i was like yeah 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 you know trying to be upbeat trying to be you know but inside dying (laughs) um and then uh did another take and then he came in i mean the the second take i mean it's worse than the first like easily easily first because obviously then you become really self-conscious and then you're not you know you're kind of like even more wobbly. I mean, I was already wobbly to start with. I'm not sure how much more wobbly I could have gotten. Anyway, and then he came into the, the live room after that and just said, look, you know, are you, are you okay? Do you know, um, is everything all right? Do you want to do another one? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, that'd be good. Yeah, let, let's, let's um, do another one. And, uh, and then he sort of left the live room. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, he's had to come into the live room to talk to me. That's how bad this is. And so I did a third take and then he came into the live room again and he just said to me, look, Emily, I'm I'm so sorry, but I'm just going to have to ask you to leave. I I can't like th- this just isn't working. He was so sweet. He was really sweet about it. He wasn't mean. He, he was so he was try- he was willing me so hard to do it well, you know, when you just feel that. But he just obviously I couldn't do the job. And I, I'd i love to say that I was like, yeah, I understand. I burst into tears, that's actually what happened. I was 17 years old, I burst completely into tears, I was trying to hold them back, I was doing the, <laughs> the all the hyperventilating the whole shebang and he was so kind and he was so sweet he's like look I'm, I'm just really sorry it's just not gonna work and you know I'll, I'll pay for your travel like I don't want you to have lost out um but essentially they were left with these tracks that had no drums on it they were left with a studio that had been rented out and the job hadn't been done and it was just like it was so mortifying not just on a personal level like of my playing but of excuse me of wasting all these other people's time it was just like I just didn't know where I was at. Anyway, I had to do the shame of like packing up my drums whilst everyone's still there. And at that point, I think that a bass player had come in who would, I was meant to play with so they could attract that live as well. But this bass player was there like, I wish I could remember who he was. And he just totally nailed like all the tracks like straight away and whilst I was packing up sort of like, <laughs> he probably came in and go, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, so anyway so yeah and, and I just I remember the journey home and I just remember just in fact I remember because I took a cab and the guy that drove me because I couldn't drive at this point either <laughs> so the guy that drove me all I remember about him was that he was so sweet we hadn't we, we didn't speak anything about what I where I'd come from what I'd been doing nothing um but he was telling me about all this other stuff about his life and um I, I remember getting a little bit of perspective and I think actually at that time that's exactly what I needed because I really would have gone down a bad like hole. Anyway I got home and uh, my parents were like oh how did it go and uh, I li- obviously burst into tears but what I distinctly remember I did sort of say what had happened but I was so embarrassed and ashamed that you know, this thing that I'd been working towards for, at that time, six years, which, of course, when you're 17, it feels like a really long time, you know, and you dedicated yourself to this thing. And then when finally you got your opportunity, it's like you failed, essentially. I mean, that's what happened. I failed. You couldn't fail much better than I did. I mean, I really did. But what I distinctly remember is trying to blame the fact that the drums that I had were an entry level drum kit and things like that, which actually in hindsight, that wasn't, that was nothing, (laughs) zero percent to do with why it wasn't working. But I remember sort of using that as an excuse and then kind of not glossing over the fact that I physically couldn't do it, but you know, that was sort of, I was trying to lessen that as much as I could. Um, But what that led to, so this, I think the session must have been done on a Friday or something like that. And then on the Saturday and the Sunday, I was just inconsolable. I was, I shut myself away in my room. I was just, I just didn't know what to do. Like I said, I'd worked towards this thing for so long. And when I finally got the opportunity, I wasn't good enough. And I'd never had that feeling before. Everything that I'd taken on before that point, it might have been difficult, yes. But it was, I could work it out. I could always... Just work that bit harder towards a very specific thing and you know and make it happen by whenever it needed to be done but in such a concentrated period of time you can't suddenly get five years worth of experience within the time between two takes it's just not it's not going to happen it's not realistic and I just remember being so heartbroken that the this was how I felt was the drums had let me down I've always had this thing right so ever since I was really young before I started playing drums like there would always be stuff that's going on everyone has stuff that goes on in their life for whatever reason but whenever stuff was bad and I was feeling you know things around me were not good and and the people around me maybe were not good I always came back to okay but what I can now do is put my energy into the drums because the drums have never let me down the drums have never betrayed me if I put in the work on the drums it gives back to me and I'm progressing and and I know that because it's a logical thing and this was the first time that I felt at that moment the drums have let me down the drums have betrayed me what actually was is that I it's not I had betrayed myself I just wasn't ready for it and I hadn't worked hard enough at that point I hadn't The reality is I hadn't had enough experience. And unfortunately this was just gonna be part of my experience and it was the roughest time. I've never been so heartbroken in my life. I wouldn't leave my room. I wouldn't speak to anyone, like literally nothing. And all I kept thinking was, that's it. I'm not good enough. I need to put down the sticks. I mean, that's so dramatic. Oh my God, so dramatic. I was just like going, well, you know, I guess I had a good run. I had a good six years. I'd played some great gigs. and I had, I'd done some great stuff. It was really fun. But yeah, I was kind of like, for two days, I was like, that's it. That's the end of my dream. I can't, I can't do that. I can't suffer that kind of heartbreak ever again. Um, And honestly, I've never had such heartbreak ever since that, that, that day, that moment Um, was devastating to me like absolutely devastating like all my dreams my passion my my hard work all came crashing down within a matter of what would have been 30 minutes I guess um so yeah so I spent these two days in bed and then my mum basically dragged me out of the house said right on the Monday right I'm going down the bank you're coming with me we're going to walk down to the bank and I was like okay so I got out of the house and I sort of, I think fresh air is good for me and walking is even better for me. Whenever I'm having a rough time, I, I go for a really long walk and then I can kind of think through things. And we sort of chatted about stuff and gradually I kind of realized, okay, maybe this isn't the end of everything. Like, yes, I could hang up my proverbial sticks and say, well, I had a good run. But then there was this other part of me that went, or oh, I could, face head on everything that went wrong in that recording session and learn from it. And although that was terrifying because it was admitting that, you know, I'm a perfectionist, I think a lot of musicians are. And to admit that you're not that perfect person, to admit that you do have a lot to work on, to admit that you couldn't do the job and you know, I told people that I was going to do this session. Of course, I did. I was proud to have gotten this phone call. This was not a phone call that my peers had gotten yet. And you know, and it was like, I'm doing it. I'm being. I was being paid. It was my first time being properly. Well, it wasn't. I wasn't properly paid because I didn't do the job. But it would have been my first time being properly paid for something. That if that was a regular thing, that could I could have lived off that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, to be able to just go, okay. I'm not good enough, but say that with, but I'm gonna work on it was the most, I mean, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. It was in a sadistic way, very empowering though. And basically what happened was I then became obsessed with fixing all the things that went wrong in that session. So metronome, I'd played to clicks before, of course I had. I, I, you know, that's like number one rule, drummer timing. That's it. So you, of course, you meant to play to a metronome. Ridiculous. But I just like everything I did. Everything was to a click. Every gig that I played, I would say, guys, I'm gonna do this to a click. So just, just follow me. I wanna, you know, I need to get this better. I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna do this. Um, and all the bands that I was playing, I was playing with covers of bands at that time. Um, I was playing with originals bands. And they were like, yeah, of course. Yeah, fine. I mean, they were like, great. Yeah, fine. Whatever. So I did that. Um, So, yeah, that was that was trying to try. Oh, that's it. Well, I went and had lessons as well with people that specifically worked a lot with the click. Uh, I learned a lot. I learned about, you know, I saw the click as my enemy almost for a long time until In fact there was one particular lesson from someone that I've spoken with uh, spoken with spoken about before um Andrew Small who told me about how he sees time and the fact that it's sort of more circular rather than this linear thing which is how I used to see it um and he said to me you know you just got to make the click your friend and it's such a simple thing to say but I had been fighting against it. I'd been like, this is this thing that's like rooting me to something that, you know, I wanna be free. And my timing's always been very good, but when playing to a click clearly, it wasn't, you know, spot on. So to get into that mind frame of using it as an ally, as opposed to being an enemy, was a massive like turnaround. Um, So I focused on that. I focused on playing consistently um, and again I mean I've spoken about this before where when I was a kid I remember s- sort of playing on this this rubbish drum kit it was actually really nice it was a vintage kit but it was just really busted up um, and when I played on it it sounded awful and then this kid who was three years older than me played on it and I thought it sounded magical and that was kind of I don't think I realized at the time the the, the uh, Gravity of that situation? I don't think that's the right word, but you know what I mean, like the potency of that situation. Until I sort of got to that point of going, right, well, consistency and the sound of the kit, it's not the fact that I was playing on a Yamaha stage custom. Yes, it's not, you know, the highest end kit, but I tell you what, it sounds blooming good. It does, and I still believe that. Um, And if you play it in the right way, that's a recordable kit, easily, definitely. So, Yeah, there was that. And then obviously locking in with songs, I became obsessed with that, absolutely obsessed, playing along with music. Just that's what I would do for hours, hours I would just lock myself away. And then that coupled with a lesson that I had a year later uh, with, again, a drummer that I've spoken about before, I will continue to speak about because he's wonderful, um, Billy Ward, wonderful drummer who said to me, you know, record yourself and listen back. That's the best way you're gonna learn anything and although I didn't implement that, um, that lesson and that advice for a while, literally the week that I did, my, my growth went exponentially up, like so, like so quick. I still do it. And it wasn't, as I always say, it wasn't in some fancy studio I was recording myself. It was on a tiny little mini tape player. Um, but even that, I'd say that that was the catalyst to really get me over the hurdle of, of sort of like worrying about it. And yeah, but consequently, I was still terrified of recording, like so terrified. This was my only professional experience recording. And like I say, I'd been recording with bands. But when you're playing in a band, there's, I feel like there's a certain leeway with things like that. Whereas when you're playing for an artist, for a producer who has an idea in their head and you're trying to convey that, there's a very different mindset that you need to be in. And the precision side of things has to be... Your priority. So anyway, and and yeah, this this uh, this whole thing, it kind of it me terri- terrified me for a very long time, and I worked incessantly on these things. But I feel like had this thing have not happened, I or if I'd have made the other decision of just going, I can't do this. Obviously, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have toured around the world. I wouldn't have recorded on a bunch of stuff. Um, and although it was literally the most painful thing i've ever been through and the most painful realization and the most let down i fe- felt about myself about my ability about my dedication about my drums everything it made me so much stronger and so the next <laughs> the next um, professional session that i did after that was in 2008 with a band called The Hours that was my next professional session again I'd done a couple of ones with bands in between but by that point I was kind of it wasn't that the ones with the bands didn't count it was just a different focus so yeah and so the first session I did after this one when I was 17 was in 2008 it was with The Hours and the producer was a lovely lovely man called Flood who's worked with like U2, Sigur Ross I mean he's he's wonderful, like a wonderful producer, but obviously he's like this huge producer and I'm like terrified. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was really inside of my head and I really kind of like was worried. Um, again, we, were, we rec- were recording as a band, so it wasn't as microscopic, but I was so lucky in that, that next professional experience with, was with, again, like I say, Steve Wellington, such a sweet kind compassionate empathetic producer and and he was so kind to me I will never forget that he's he's wonderful um but I was very lucky that Flood was also very similar he was so he was just all about getting the best out of everyone in that room and I'm sure that he could fill my reservation, my, my, how, I mean, I was the youngest in the band by a long way as well, just to add insult injury. Um, so I was extra kind of worried, but he was so kind and supportive. And I mean, to be honest, that's a sign of a great producer to me, someone that can bring out the best in everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then we did that session and that was, I think we were in Rack for like two weeks with him doing an album. Um, and that went great. And it was like this moment of like, okay, from 17 to I was then 21, no, sorry, I was 20. So those three years of basically just focus, laser focus on basically not eliminating, cause you'll never, never eliminate sort of your weaknesses, but just a laser focus on strengthening these weaknesses that let me down on that one day, three years of that. And then to do this session when I was 20 and, you know, um, nothing was said in a good way. Like, as in no no one was going, oh, she's a bit, oh, it's a bit, none of that. It was just like, great, cool, next song. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh, it worked. Like, it's actually worked. (laughs) So yeah, I, I believe that, you know, people might look at any drummer, really, any musician. In fact, anyone that's successful in in anything and go oh yeah well it's been a smooth ride for them you know they've never had any failure they've never done anything wrong I guarantee you they have and the reason that I wanted to share this is because I I wanted to share my most painful moment I wanted to share the fact that you know someone right now might be going through something so similar where something has happened and they've gone oh my god I'm not good enough And I mean, I've spoken before as well. That's my whole thing. My whole thing is I want to be good at something. I've never felt good enough. Drums is the only thing where I felt that I could be good enough at something. So for something like that to happen where someone is literally saying to you, you're not good enough so much so that you just need to leave. If I can get through that, I guarantee you that if you do go through something like that, where you're just going, I failed. If you just focus on, okay, use it as an opportunity. Right. Okay, what went wrong? XYZ. All right. What am I going to do? I'm I'm going to sort it out, right? XYZ for the next however long until it's done, until it's sorted, until I've totally nailed it and, you know, it's and yes, there will always be indiscrepancy. There'll always be, you know, the odd song or whatever where it comes in and it takes me a minute to kind of lock with it. That's okay. That's fine. But the fact that you can kind of take that time to, in a way, it was kind of a blessing. It kind of put onto paper, well, here's the things you need to be working on for the next however many years. These are your weaknesses. Go fix them. It was great. Like I said, at the time, devastating. In hindsight, wonderful. And possibly, in fact, definitely, 100%, the best thing that has happened to me for my drumming you know and and for my progress and what has made me become where I am now I mean it's it's crazy so I went from that from having like this just nightmare situation nightmare session it literally couldn't have gone worse literally couldn't have gone worse the building the only way that it could have gone worse is that the building went on fire or something couldn't have gone worse and yet I mean granted it's 14 years later well it opened two years ago so 12 years later, 12 years after that has happened, I now have my own studio and I record people from everywhere on my own terms. I mean, talk about a turnaround from, you know, not being able to do this one session to then doing that. It's just like, you can work through it, you can. It's hard work, but I tell you what, there's there's nothing like it and it definitely pays off. So yeah, if you can just like get through those moments that will be tough, then you can definitely you'll come back so much stronger so anyway anyone that is going through that sort of stuff anything different all the same just just keep going use it as a use it as a a guide a map to what you should be working on what you need to be working on and um, I'm I'm living proof that you can not only come out the other side but end up doing that but for like a lot of your using a lot of your time doing the exact thing that you were absolutely terrified of just a few years earlier. So anyway, I'm going to stop rambling on. I'm sure that this is plenty long enough for you to yeah, get some stuff on. Well, I hope that episode helped you a little bit. If you are struggling with something that you feel like you've failed at recently, I hope that you can relate and You can see that in the future you may look back at this moment of failure, if you like, and go, actually, do you know what? That's the best thing that ever happened to me because I certainly feel like that about my studio experience and... Even now, being able to tell you guys about it, I think it's so. It just continues to be valuable. Since the day it happened, it's become the most valuable, one of the most valuable things in my life. So I consider myself incredibly lucky that I failed at that very moment. And as I say, ironically, now I run my own studio. Which reminds me, if there is anyone out there that wants some drums recorded on their music, then head on over to EmilyDrums.com. And I I do that when I'm not on the road. When I'm at home, I'm in the studio and that's just how I like it yay so I hope you enjoyed this episode if you would like to hear any more if you would like to ask your own questions if you would just like to do anything (laughs) head over to www.adrummersguide2.com you can sign up to the mailing list so you don't miss out on any subjects you can suggest uh, topics you'd like to like me to cover or ask me specific questions but just come over come say hi and we could have a chat anyway hope you're having a great day. and I will see you next week for another subject. All right, see you later, bye.